Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church. The truth is we just can't get enough. We all want new things, new experiences. We want them bigger and better than the last time. In this series called Hungry Eyes, it turns out that all these wants boil down to three things that the Bible talks about were a problem from the very beginning. So welcome to the human race. We're never satisfied. Let's jump right in. All right, everybody, welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? Man, I'm telling you what, you should be up here and see your faces. That was priceless. I think we should just do more crazy stuff just to see what it looks like from, from my point of view. Anyway, I, I think I have to admit, I've wanted to walk out on a stage to that song since I was in middle school. It's just <laughs> kind of crazy there. Hey, before we get into the, to the message, I want to highlight two things. If you are new to Grace Life or you've just never made it the first step, I want to invite you out right after the third service today. Free food, free child care, so come back right after the third service. Second thing, we're doing our Summer of Serve, and we had two big Saturdays. One of those was in June. The other one is about to come up. Don't miss it. It's this Saturday coming up. And so hope to see you here. 9 o'clock here in the parking lot, then we will go out to all the different projects. Uh, we would, it's best for you if you know which project you're going to, and we know which project you're going to, because sometimes we've got more people at one and not enough people at another. So right out this door when you're leaving, stop by the Global Outreach table there and talk to someone, get some information, get signed up for one. You can also do that on our website or our app. So there you go. Hey, raise your hand if you were here in the last three weeks, any one of the last three weeks, right? I mean, you thought Hungry Eyes was crazy? We did at the movies. We served popcorn and soda and uh, talked about what God says to us through movies. That was kind of weird, right? And, and so somebody always asks, like, why do you do that? Well, well, for one, it gives you an opportunity to invite somebody who normally would say church isn't for them. And that's specifically what we told you to do during that time period. Because it allows us to present truths about the Bible and about God in a way that other people maybe aren't able to normally receive them. And it also reminds you and me that we can hear from God pretty much anytime, anywhere. So here's some cool part. If you're still maybe not sure if, if that's a good idea, check this out. In the last three weeks, 51 families came here for the first time. That's pretty cool, right? But that's not the cool part. I'll give you something really to clap for. Eight people, because of the movies, gave Jesus, gave their life to Jesus. Eight people are going to heaven through that. So... I did have someone ask me if we could keep the popcorn and sodas while I preach, if that could be a yearly thing. The answer to that is no. Uh, but anyway, hey, next year, get ready. Invite a friend. If you've got somebody who says church isn't for them, let's get ready for that. It was just, it's so cool to see people come to know Jesus through crazy ideas like that. So speaking of crazy ideas, hungry eyes, man. What? That's kind of weird. If you're a guest here for like two weeks in a row, you're thinking, last week we watched Black Panther, and now they're singing 80 songs. Honey, I'm not even sure this is a church. That's a worship song. Y'all know that's a worship song, right? They're not worshiping God, but it's still a worship song anyway. That's all I got to say about that. What is this all about? Well, I'll be honest. I was reading my Bible, which is a good thing to do, and uh, I came across a verse, and it just hit me. Like, this would make a great series. And so for this series, we're going to do something a little different, obviously. Uh, one of those things, we're going to have a theme verse. And our theme verse could be right here on the screen for you. Don't turn there because you don't need to. But this is our theme verse, Proverbs 27, 20. And it says this, death and destruction are never satisfied. 
nor our human eyes. Neither are satisfied our human eyes. The truth is we have hungry eyes. We always want stuff. We just want more. Like, is there ever enough, right? There's never enough. This is why we have something called binging on Netflix. Why do you binge? Because one episode's not enough, especially when you can watch two or six. I mean, come on, who wants to do one? We just always want more. How about food? Anybody in here want to claim to be a self-professed foodie? Like you love new recipes, figuring out new ways to do things. You go to the new restaurants. You try out all the new stuff. You get together with your friends just to cook food. There were like five or six hands for that. How many of you, you don't even care about the whole foodie thing, just buffet? Just come on, food, man, in general. Like you, you don't have to be like creative. Fried chicken, mac and cheese, just every day. Put it out there. I'm a good southern boy. I don't need variety. Just come on, bring it on. Little catfish on the side, back to the fried chicken the next day. It's all going, we're happy. Uh, maybe for some of us, it's new cars, right? You want the newest, shiniest car? You, I was like, man, you, you get, I'm seeing some heads nodding back there. Got a friend of mine, bought a, bought a new truck, man. He's wanted his new truck forever. And, and then right then, they come up with the new model months after that. And he's like, man, can you believe that? Because we, we just want the newest thing. Got to have, have more. How about phones? Anybody in here? You're the gadget person. Anybody in here? You've already got the Apple 13? Yep. <laughs> Exactly. You think you do. You're dreaming of, oh, what's the next one going to be? I mean, the one you've had ever since the three, like a decade ago, it texted, it did the internet, it called people. It was amazing. And yet we're still like, oh, what are they going to do next? Oh, we, just, we just want more stuff. Stuff. If you guys have been around here anytime, come on, you can answer this question for you. What is something I can't get enough of? I love you guys. You get it right. I I do this kind of on purpose because when I talk about chocolate in sermons, I get chocolate given to me. And it's awesome. So I'm just going to tell you, I do have an ulterior motive here. But I I just think you can't get enough chocolate. I always want more. You see, I keep chocolate in my office. I've got really good stuff hidden in my desk. I've got nice, good stuff that I give out freely sitting on the little table. And you come and see me. And I think personally, if, if I get to work, I deserve a reward. You know, hobbits have second breakfast. Mine's chocolate. I think about it this way. I got up early. I spent some time talking to God, prayed, read the Bible, spent some time with my wife, made coffee for her, got the kids off to school. Except during summertime, I tried getting them off to school during summertime, and they won't take them. Anyway, so the rest of the year, make it to the gym. By the time I get to work, I feel like I deserve a reward. So I have a little chocolate. Go off to lunch, come back from lunch. I had a salad, so I deserve a little chocolate, right? And, and then you come in for, if somebody comes in for an afternoon appointment, it's 2 o'clock, it's 3 o'clock, something like that. So I take a little, hey, ha, have a piece of chocolate. And now you're all good Southerners, right? Even if you're from somewhere else, you've, you've become a good Southerner because you refuse to take one unless I'm having one too. So I take one so that you'll take one. I'm just helping you out here. Just can't get enough chocolate. And, and I'll usually have a little bit after dinner and then some right before bed. That's a true story. I'm not making that up. Can't get enough chocolate. Uh, I kind of did the same thing with the Caribbean. My wife and I went to the Caribbean for the first time when I was 36 years old. We'd been married 13 years. It was our 13th anniversary trip, and I'm thinking, you know, we've saved up a long time. It's been a long time. We're like, we've never been 13 years. This will be good. We won't need to come back until like our 25th. You know, I mean, like this should fill the tank. If anybody's ever been to the Caribbean, you know it's like crack. Like, you've got to have more. Like, that's just not a, like a blue water, white sand, nobody looking at a watch, nobody cares, nobody answers email, the world ignores you, and you just, it's awesome, just can't get enough. Here's the question. How in the world am I going to help us with our hungry eyes? B- because there's over a thousand of us, and every one of us has one or two or ten or twenty 
things we just really, really want and we just want more of. And so this is going to be like the world's longest series if we talk about all of the things that we have hungry eyes for. Unless what, what if I told you, matter of fact, what if I could prove to you that there are only three wants? In, in all of the world, in all of our human eyes, all of our hungry eyes, all the things we want, at the end of the day, we actually only want three things. Would you believe it? I'm going to show it to you. It's our main passage. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 15. If not, it's going to be right here on the screens. But check this out. This is what the Bible says. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Well, that's kind of disappointing. I love chocolate. I love the Caribbean. That's not what it means. The word love here means to have an incorrect value and affection for something. So this is not the same way that God says he so loved the world he gave his only son. No, no, no. There's good ways to use it. This is the, the, the way that we don't want to use We don't want to have this kind of love for something. So why is that? Well, for the next sentence. For all that is in the world. All. Is the desires of the flesh. That's the first. Desires of the eyes. That's the second. And the pride of the life. That's it. And it comes not from the Father, but it comes from the world. Absolutely everything that you and I can encounter, everything that we can want, everything that we can chase after, comes down to being one of these three things. Now, I know at this point, some of you may be looking at it kind of going, hmm, what does that really mean? What are those three things? Can we break them down a little bit? So let me do that for you. The first one is desires of the flesh. This is simply pleasure. At the end of the day, we like pleasure. Any kind of physical or sensual pleasure, that's what it's talking about with desires of the flesh. Comfort. We like lazy boy recliners. They're big. They're soft. They allow us to kick up our feet. We don't even need somebody to hold our feet for us. Remote controls. We don't even have to disturb our body out of the, the, the lazy boy. You know, we've just got it made. That's, that's the whole comfort idea. Pleasure. Uh, uh, food. Sex. Anything like that plays into either a physical or a sensual desire. The second thing is desires of the eyes. This comes down mainly to stuff. This is where we get materialism and where we get greed because we, we covet. That's the biblical word. The truth is we just see something shiny and we want it. We get a, a new car, but then our friend gets a newer car and we want the newer one. Why? What's wrong with the new one that we just got? We just, we see something and go, oh man, I want that. And so what we also have to include in this one a lot of times is money because money is something that helps us get stuff, and money helps us get comfort, but money also sometimes just becomes the thing we want. We don't even want it to go get stuff anymore. We just want it to have it, to, to, to say, I've got the most, so it works its way into that. And then the last one is the pride of life, and what we're using for this series is props. Now, I get it. There's, there's some over 40s in here, so I'm going to translate. I'm going to be your urban dictionary for you this morning. It, it means praise. So this week, uh, someone in my house over 40, not to mention any names, but they, they asked me, what are you preaching on this week? And I said, preaching about how we can't get enough props. And they said, why? Do we need more stage props? I thought we had. <laughs> so no, no, it's, it's talking about accolades and, and fame and social media attention and prestige and having people think well of us. This is what it's talking about. The pride of life is that we are somebody and it's all based on that. Now, here's the crazy thing. This isn't new, and I'm not making this up here today, and this is not even a new concept that someone came out with. Matter of fact, 1 John is almost at the very end of your Bible, and this concept is at the very beginning of your Bible, and you don't have to turn there with me. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis 3. And so God has made this beautiful garden, and he's put a couple of people in it, and at the very beginning, we see the exact same problem. 
He's got this whole thing, and he tells Adam and Eve, you can have any of it. It's all yours. Enjoy it. I've made this world for your enjoyment. Except for that one right there, just not that one. What happened? So when the woman saw that that one tree was good for food, everybody see that already? Pleasure. Pleasure. She's looking at that going, oh man, I'm a little hungry. That would really please me. That would feel good to my body. That, that looks like it'd be really juicy and tasty and delicious and I wouldn't feel hungry anymore. Man, I want to get that. And she saw that it was a delight to the eyes. Oh, wow, look at that. How many of you like go to the store, like you go to Publix and you get those really big, red, shiny, pretty apples? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? Those are still made in a fallen world where worms and pesticides and things happen. I need you to go back in your imagination to the perfect garden when God is making this fruit come out of this tree. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. I mean, it probably reflects the sunlight so bright that like Eve needed like sunglasses or something. She's, what in a, it might have been a pomegranate too. Nobody knows. Actually, did you know there are entire theological debates about what kind of fruit it was? Y'all, we just need to get saved and go to heaven. There's stuff we really don't need to worry about. So anyway, I don't know what was on this tree, but she's just going, wow, if I could have it. And I could show it to somebody. Well, there's no somebody. I'll show it to my husband. <laughs> Look, it's mine. I've got the prettiest one in the whole garden. And you don't. Oh, it's mine. Look what I've got. Look what I. Oh, oh yes. We just want stuff because stuff makes us feel better. And then it says, she saw that the tree was desired to make one wise. See, the very thing that this little serpent had just told her about taking something from Hey, you know, God told you to not touch that tree, but just, just look over here. First of all, it's going to feel real good going down. You just, I mean, you're going to love the taste of it. It's beautiful too, isn't it? And you know what? The whole reason God tells you not to mess with that is because it's going to make you as wise as him. And then Eve kind of stood up straight going, oh, man. My husband's going to be like, you the girl, come on, you're so smart. You're as smart as God. You are amazing. And she's like, I would just love that kind of props, man. I would love it. I get to have that shiny thing. I get to taste that shiny thing. My husband will think I'm the man. Someday maybe somebody else will. I don't know if anybody else is ever coming along. Did you see that? From the beginning of time all the way to almost the end of Scripture, we're struggling with three things that we can't get enough of. And this is just for free because I, I used to be a teacher, so I'm going to give you homework. Who likes homework in church? Come on, that's crazy, isn't it? So I'm not going to give you this. I'm, I'm just going to tell you where you can go and find it. Matthew chapter 4 or Luke chapter 4, either one of them has the exact same encounter. How many of you know that the devil tempted Jesus, right? And, and so Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days. And when that was over, the enemy came to him, and he tried to tempt him. Who wants to guess how many temptations there were? Come on, a little louder. How many temptations were there? Three. three. You want to guess what those three were? Exactly what we're talking about. The enemy came to Jesus and said, you've been fasting 40 days trying to get them on the desires of the flesh. Bet you'd like a little something to eat. Come on, we can take care of that. Jesus didn't take the bait. So he says, hey, look at all the stuff. It all belongs to me because mankind gave it away. I'll give you all this stuff. And Jesus said, no, thank you. And then he dealt with the pride of life. He came to him and he said, you know what? There's talk. There's 
kind of a rumor going on out there. There's some people whispering you might be like the man, like the one we're waiting on. You might be like the son of God. Why don't you just go ahead and show us how cool you are right now, man? Come on, show us. I want to be impressed with you. Jesus didn't take the bait either. All the way from Eve to Jesus to you and me, three things we can't get enough of. Hungry eyes, three things. We cannot get enough pleasure. We cannot get enough stuff. And we cannot get enough props. We will spend our entire life chasing pleasure, stuff, or props. So we're going to take this short little series and we're going to look at how to break the stronghold and the power that this chase has over us. And so we're going to start today. We're actually going to do it in reverse order. We're going to start today and talk about how we can't get enough props. Now, personally, I love Jeff Foxworthy because he helped rednecks, you know, be honest about it. I mean, seriously, nobody would go around and say they were redneck until, first of all, he made it cool. And second of all, he helped them self-identify. You know, the whole, you might be a redneck if, helped self-identify. I'm going to help you self-identify as as somebody who needs a lot of props today. Because the truth is, uh, all of you would go, no, I'm humble. I took the furthest parking space away. I was just, I, I don't need much, Jimmy. I'm good. I'm, no. So here we go. We're going to do Jeff Foxworthy style. You can't get enough props if, you ready for this? Here you go. You can't get enough props if you want a title just to feel important or powerful. Come on. Anybody ever seen The Office in here? Dwight Schrute, right? I'm the assistant regional manager. And then Michael Scott says, no, you're the assistant to the regional manager. And then Dwight says, same thing. And Michael Scott says, no, it's not. Here's the truth. He wants to feel like he's somebody by being able to say assistant regional manager, like I'm number two, like I'm it. And it doesn't matter what he calls himself because everybody in the office knows he's idiot number one. Like that's, you can take the title, buddy. It's not going to change the fact you're a moron. You can't get enough props if... You want to be in the room, right? In the room where it happened. Come on, anybody get that right? Never mind. Not enough Hamilton fans in here. Y'all got to get with this thing. Even if you don't really contribute, you know, when there's an important meeting at work and just the fact that you got to be in it. You're you're walking with the boss and like two other people down the hall. Like, Y'all just sit out here and work. I'm going in the meeting because I am the man. And that means if, if there's a promotion, I'm next in line because I got invited to the meeting. You didn't say one word. You didn't contribute to an answer to the problem. Matter of fact, you may not be in the room next time around because you didn't do anything useful. But you're like, y'all see me in here. Y'all see, come on, look at that. The boss likes me. He told me to come. You out there, you just go do your work. That's right. We just feel like we are something because somebody includes us. We just want to be included because if we're included, we are the man. You can't get enough props if... You worry a lot about what people think about you. <laughs> That's about all I need to say about that one, really. I, I mean, when you spend all your time, going, oh, my gosh, what do they think? What did they think about what I just said? Now, some of you are going to try to go getting all spiritual on me. Well, you know, Jimmy, the Bible talks a lot about how we should have a good reputation before both God and man. It's all over Proverbs. And, and, and matter of fact, even Jesus grew in stature before both God and man. I'm not worried about what people think of me. I just want to have a godly reputation. Hogwash. You don't walk away from that encounter going, I wonder if they thought that I was godly and represented Jesus well. That's not what you do. You walk away going, oh, I can't believe I said that. They think I'm such an idiot. What does that got to do with your godly reputation? You ever do that thing where you meet somebody new and you go to kind of do a handshake and you just mess it all up? You ever done one of those really awkward, really bad handshakes and you're not sure, should I fix this like you crossed fingers like right there? 
you're, you're not really, are we holding hands or shaking hands? This is a little awkward, but I'm going to try to play it off and be cool. And later you're thinking, well, since I didn't acknowledge it, they must think that's like normal for me. Oh, I'm such an idiot. What do they think of me? Can't get enough props if you think, worry about what people think of you all the time. You can't get enough props if you're offended or upset when someone else has heard about something before you. Because after all, the cool people hear it first. They tell their friends first. The important people always know. When someone comes again, did you hear? You want to say yes just for the heck of it. Oh, sure, I already heard. What? I mean, you don't even know what they're going to say. You just don't want to be the one who goes, no, man, they didn't tell me. They told you. <laughs> can't get enough props if. Woo, this is fun, isn't it? You can't get enough props if you check to see how many people and which people liked your post. I knew I'd get you at some point. Look at that. I finally got your attention. You didn't like my chocolate. You didn't like any of that. But now I got you. See, here's the truth. You, you put this picture of you with your family on the beach. Hey, look at us. We're at the beach. You know, and you put that out there. That should have been enough. You want your friends to know you made it to the beach for a day. Isn't that good enough? You just wanted to, to be able to go back and show your kids in 10 years, look, I actually took you somewhere. But no, that wasn't what you were really after. <laughs> what you're really after is, I don't see Bob. Bob didn't like it. Oh, who cares if Bob liked it? Why would it matter to you if that person approves of it, disapproves of it, even knows about it? But it matters to us, doesn't it? You can't get enough props if you have a me wall. You guys know what a me wall is? It's that thing where you hang all your diplomas, every little trophy, Every ribbon, your perfect attendance in Sunday school award. When it says fourth grade, second place beauty contest, it is time for you to give up. <laughs> there are times you need to take things off the wall and move on. And, and, and stop. We get this thing. Look, here's the thing. You worked hard for those. You spent a lot of money going to school. If you need to look at that and be reminded of something, hang it in your closet. You can see it once a day. But when you put it on your wall where everybody comes into your house, when it's on your office, here's what we typically do. We put it right behind our desk. So as we invite someone in to sit down and look at the title on the front of our desk and look at our face, they see our greatness all behind us. Our me wall. You can't get enough props if you say things that aren't necessary to know. You just want the people to be impressed. Oh, come on. We all do stupid stuff like this. Hey, Mr. Smith, nice to meet you. It's Dr. Smith. Well, excuse me. I didn't need surgery at the moment, so I really don't care. <laughs> I don't care if you are a mister or you are a doctor. Well, that's fine because I'm not a doctor, doctor. I'm a doctor of medieval history. That's all the better reason not to tell us. I mean, the fact that you, like, dedicated so many years of your life and so much money to study in, like, a couple hundred years nobody cares about that was over a millennia ago. I think less of you now. You were better off when you were Mr. than Doctor of Medieval History. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I make these jokes, and somehow I always accidentally stumbled upon something, something in somebody here actually did. So I'm hoping, 
I tried to pick medieval history. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm safe here. I'm hoping I didn't actually like hurt one of your feelings here. But I'll tell you the truth. I, I, I did this in a very, very embarrassing way. That was a couple years ago. Uh, you know, I used to be a teacher. Most of you know that. And I was in a parent-teacher conference one time. And, but I was the parent, which was an uncomfortable situation for me to be in because I'm used to being in charge of the room and owning the room, and I'm used to being the teacher telling you what's wrong with your idiot. And I <laughs> didn't really appreciate being on the receiving end of the difficulty of educating my child. And so as they continued to tell me all of the things about what's so difficult about their world and why I don't understand their world and how I whatever, whatever, whatever. And listen, teachers are awesome. I was one for 11 years, but this one got on my nerves very quickly as they patronized me and insulted me. And so I took it upon myself to read to them my me wall. And so I started, excuse me, before you tell me any more about what's wrong with your job, let me just make sure you're aware I'm a nationally board certified teacher with a master's degree in education, and I have taught for over a decade in the classroom, so I know. <laughs> and it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. <laughs> no, they just looked at me with this blank stare of like, are you really that shallow? <laughs> and I thought to myself, it. I actually had to repent later. They, they didn't apologize to me. I had to apologize to God for embarrassing him. You, you might not get enough props if you're a workaholic because you think getting promoted makes other people impressed with you. You might not be able to get enough props if you just want people impressed with you. That's all that you care about. You know, <laughs> one of the uh, this past week, I, I forgot to tell you guys, it, it, I, I've been out for a couple of weeks because I was technically on vacation, but I never went anywhere. I was here doing a staycation renovation, and for free advice, take the vacation next time. And, and so I, we gutted our kitchen down to the studs, we, like just every, we moved every pipe, we moved every wire, just everything. And, and when I say we, I largely mean me. And uh, a, a few of my kids helped out a little bit here and there, but I, I was working really hard. I mean, I've got out the laser level. Like, you could put water on this, and it's not going any direction. Like, man, this is perfect. And, and, and I had to create this little box for the oven because, you know, you, you think cabinets, you just screw them to the wall. But this didn't come as a cabinet. You had to build this thing. And I had to, like, you know, follow the measurements. Where is this going to fit and make it all kind of work out and then do this math. I spent like an hour drawing out the math and down to the eighth of an inch where everything had to go. And I built all this thing in and put it in, and my son comes and helps me carry the oven. We slide it in, and it is perfect. And I stand back and go, somebody better tell me I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I, did. I looked at my wife like, you see that? You see? Come on. Somebody better tell me I'm awesome. And they're all still just playing on the weed. <laughs> this is like a great moment. I need somebody to be impressed with me. Look at this. My family didn't get it, so I texted Lance a picture because Lance is in construction. He was like, good job, man. I'm like, thank you, Bob. Somebody's impressed with me. A little more transparent, true, true, true story. Sad as it is, uh, you know, God's actually been working on something in my soul. You know, when, when someone calls you and asks you, hey, what's God doing in your life? You know, you, you like it when it sounds really cool. Like, well, God's been teaching me to have great faith that he does miracles. I'm praying for the sick and you're getting healed. Unfortunately, that was not the answer. I had a pastor friend of mine. He called me. I'm like, what's God saying to you? And I had to 
actually confessed that God was talking to me about my pride. Like, seriously, God, why do you have somebody call me and ask me at a time when you're teaching me to, like, deal with my pride? That, that's just embarrassing to tell them. But here's what I had to come to, to be honest about. I, I would, would ask God for things, and I think we should ask God for things. You should ask God for, you know, everything that he has for you. You should ask him for healing, ask him for your finances, ask him for a good spouse if you don't have one yet. If you've got one, you, uh, you're on your own. I'm just kidding. Jesus is with you. And ask God for whatever, but I was, come back, I was asking God to help me be a good steward of the gift that he had given me. I was asking God to let me represent him well. And I was trying to convince myself that this was a holy and just request, that I really just wanted to, to be a good steward of what God had put in me. And the truth is, God's given me a lot of great opportunities. I get to do this every week. I get invited to speak at other places. And I already had what I'm asking for. But I'm, I'm asking God to give me just a little more. And God just said, you just want fame and you're just proud. And that hurts. But we tell ourselves all the time that we don't want props. We don't need this. And the truth is, we really do. So, you know, the question is, what is the answer? How do we stop this need for props in our life, this human desire for accolades and fame and praise? And the answer is really simple, humility. So there you go. Be humble. Have a nice week. Go eat lunch. You see, it's not that easy, is it? Because saying be humble is like saying be skinny or be fat, whichever one you wish you were, you know, whatever into the spectrum you want to change. The, the idea of just be humble. Well, I mean, come on, just try. To man, tomorrow, I tell you what, I'm going to get up. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be the best humble there's ever been. I'm going to be more humble than all the rest of you. I'm just going to kill it. I'm going to be awesomely humble. Yeah, see how that works out for you. You know what I'm saying? The idea of just be humble doesn't work because just be humble is a result of a process. It's not something you can just go, I'm it. And so what I want to do, just like skinny or fat, skinny is the result of a process of what you eat, fat is a process of what you eat, humble is a process of what's going on in here. And so I want to show you how we can get to that point because just being humble usually doesn't work. Romans 12, 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Now, we are very good at taking sentences out of the Bible and memorizing them and, and just throwing them out there like we know something and using whatever. We, we do these things like the truth shall set you free right after we tell somebody how ugly they are, that kind of thing. Like, that's not what that verse means. That's not even the context. That's nothing to do with it. And so some of us, we do this one with, with this verse right here. We say, you know, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Have sober judgment. But what is the context? Context is so important here. First of all, let's back up a sentence. The sentence right before this, Paul had literally just said, do not be conformed to this world. Let's do a quick time out. What are we talking about today? Do not love the world and all the things that are in the world because everything that is from the world is not from the Father and there's only three things and we chase after them. Isn't it funny? Then Paul's also, hey, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by changing how you think. That's how we're going to change. And he goes on to the next sentence and says, the first thing, that we need to change about how we think is what we think about this. The first thing that we need to change is what we think of ourselves. And we need sober judgment about who we are. And then his very next sentence, he goes on to talk about the people around us and what God has put in us to serve the people around us. It's all part of that process. And why is he saying this? This is in the book of Romans. I'm going to give you a little nerd moment here for you. 
because there are people who are thinking they're better than other people. It started with the Jews. The Jews at this point have been scattered all over the known world, and so there are a lot of them in Rome, and Paul is writing a letter to them. He hopes to come and speak to them and preach to them. And so the Jews are doing this thing like, we're the people of God. We're the chosen people of the true God. We're better than you, the Gentiles here, you Roman people. We're better than you because you're just Gentiles. Gentile is the Bible word for everybody who's not a Jew, okay? I'm a good Scotch-Irish boy, grew up in South Carolina, therefore I'm a Gentile. Anybody who's not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So that's kind of how that went. The Jews are like, well, I'm better than you because I'm God's chosen people. And the Gentiles are like, well, we're better than you because you guys screwed it up and nailed Jesus to a cross. So that's why we get to be saved now. So thinking, we're better than you because we're the redeemed because you guys lost it all. And, and so they're having this back and forth, who's better than who's better. And then they just decided to give up on who cares if they're Jew or Gentile. I'm just better than you because God gave me this gift. Like, look at the gift you got. I got this. I've got the gift of prophecy. I get to stand up and hear from God and tell people, God gave you the gift of helps. All you do is make the coffee. Like, seriously, come on over there, right? Some of y'all love your coffee more than you do my preaching. So you're like, Jimmy, you got that backwards. But we think that we're special because of who we are or something. Here is the answer to this. Sober judgment. Sober judgment. You see, humility is a natural result of three things. Knowing who we are, knowing who others are, and knowing who God is. You see, you don't have to try to be humble if you have sober judgment about who you are. You don't have to try to be humble if you can take who you are and put that in the context of everyone around you. And you don't have to try to be humble if you understand all of that in relation to who God is and why he put us here. It's going to be the natural result if we can just understand who we are, who everyone else is, and who God is. Let me tell you what sober judgment is not. First of all, sober judgment is not thinking that you should come before others. We are told by Scripture to outdo one another in showing honor, in giving honor, not in receiving it. We're supposed to be the ones who say, no, 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 don't give me the promotion, give them the promotion. I'll do the job, I'm happy to do the job. No, 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 don't give me the biggest office. No, 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 no. Don't, don't clap for me when I walk into the room, clap for them, they need it. We're supposed to be the ones trying to give away the praise instead of take that in front of others. Proverbs 25 says, do not exalt yourself in the king's presence. Do not claim a place among his great men. It's better for him to say to you, hey, come on up here. Take a seat at the front of the table. You should be at my right or my left. You're, you're right here beside me because you are the man of the hour. Rather than to be told, go sit at the end of the table and be humiliated before his nobles. Right? Now, I'm going to tell you what. Some of us, we, we totally use this for pride. I have seen a lot of people take this passage and do this passage all for the point of pride, not for the humility. It actually says, like, be humble, man. Figure out. You don't always get to be at the king's right hand. You're not always the most important person in the room. And, and so I've watched people, when they are the most important person in the room, play it down on purpose. You know what? Sometimes it's your birthday, and this is your party. It is okay to enjoy your birthday party. Don't stand over in the room and go, oh, man. Who'd y'all get this cake for? Just because you want to hear them say, you. Look at all these gifts, man. What y'all doing that for? You. You know, some people do this thing like, well, I'll just hang out over here in the back of the room until somebody calls me up. You know, even though you're at like an awards presentation to honor you, 
and there's a reserve tag for your table at the front with your name on it, and you could go ahead and sit down where you know you're supposed to. I said, you, you stand back here. because You know why? Because you're waiting on them to stop everything, get everyone's attention. Excuse me, where is the guest of honor? Well, there you are. Come right on up here, Bob. Let us all clap for you. Now, if you're using this verse for the exact opposite reason that it means, shame on you. Sober judgment is not thinking you deserve praise. The Bible actually tells us that everything we do, we should do as unto Jesus. You know, my cabinets are hopefully level and square and perfect because I could go to heaven tomorrow and I want somebody else to go, this must have been a godly man working for Jesus because this was done right. It doesn't matter if you're making pancakes for your kids, if you're making coffee for your wife, if you're doing a presentation at work, if you're mowing your grass, it should be for Jesus. You know what that means? That means everything we do should be worthy of praise. Everything. The smallest job that you ever do, somebody should be like, those are the best pancakes I've ever had. Because whatever we do, we should be doing for him. There's something wrong with us. That only like one out of ten were like, hey, look at that, I got that one right. Come on, somebody clap for me. I did something good over here. No, no, no. We should be living lives that are worthy of praise, so we shouldn't need it. The Bible actually tells us this. Let another praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. We're supposed to be worthy of it, but we shouldn't be seeking it. It's not our place to go, hey, come on, somebody. Did y'all notice I just did that? Let me tell you what else sober judgment is not. It's not thinking poorly of yourself. You see, there are a lot of people who would try to push back on what I'm saying today. Well, you know, Pastor, I have to tell you the truth. I, I don't have a pride problem. I don't even do social media. I know nobody likes my posts because I'm a nobody. I, I'm nothing. I, I've never gotten promoted. I don't even think I have any gifts. I'm not sure God loves me. I don't think many people here on earth do. You know, so, hey. I don't need to hear your message on pride. Actually, that is still pride. And the real issue is this. It's not sober judgment. You see, C.S. Lewis said it better than anybody. It's the best quote you'll ever hear from all of human history. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Everybody follow that? Because see, here's what we need to understand. The Bible tells us, for you who are led by the Spirit of God... You are sons of God. Do you get that? We, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received a spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God lives in you, adopting you as sons and daughters by whom you get to cry, Daddy, to the Creator God of the universe. You are somebody. And the Spirit himself bears witness with us, our spirit, that we're children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And if we're heirs, then we're heirs of God. We're fellow heirs. We're co-heirs with Jesus. We're going to be at his right hand. Everything that belongs to him belongs to us. And who are we to insult who we are and who God has made us to be? We are somebody. Here's what you need to know. You are special. You are special. We are, out of all of his creation, out of the entire earth, out of all the planets, out of every bird, butterfly, dog, everything that was ever made, out of all of the angels, out of everything, we are his prized creation. We alone bear his image. It is not sober judgment to go, well, I am nothing. No, it is sober judgment to go. 
I'm God's prized creation. But so are you. So I'm not better than you, but you know what? We're, we're good. We're good. See, here's what, I did all of that to say this. Don't miss this. You and I are co-heirs with Jesus. But the enemy wants us to be co-heirs with him. You see, the enemy, well, he was in heaven. Perfect heaven. Before the fall. He was in the presence of a perfect God. The perfect presence of a perfect God and a perfect heaven as a perfect being. And that was not enough. He had to have more. He was a servant of the Most High God. And that was not enough. He had to have more. He was one of the three chief servants of the Most High God. And that was not enough because he said, I'm equal to two others and there's still one above me. I, I need more. That's not enough. Scripture tells us he was one of the most beautiful of all of God's creation, that he was adorned in the most beautiful, reflective materials, jewels and gold and all these different things. And if you could imagine how this conversation went in heaven, when all the host of heaven and all the other angels came up to him and said, man, Lucifer, let me tell you something. You're gorgeous. You're amazing. You're so beautiful. Like when God made you, he gave you better than that. You, you're you're just amazing. And what he could have, should have, was to say, thank you. God has really blessed me. He's a good God. But what he did instead was, oh, excuse me, did you, did you just say there's still one better than me? Did you say I'm still second? Just, nope, then that's not enough. I need more props. I need more fame. I need more praise. Nothing was ever enough, and he lost it all. And losers don't like to be lonely. And he wants us right by his side. He wants us to wake up and go, I am a child of God, fearfully, wonderfully made, designed to do good works on this earth before God even built the earth itself. And that won't be good enough today. Today I put all that aside and all I care about is what do you think of me? Are you impressed with me when I walk into a room? Do you like what I put out on social media? That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to spend our entire lives seeing what we have and saying, not enough. Not enough. I bear the image of God, created by Him, put on this earth at a time and a purpose. Question for you, when is it going to be enough? When is it going to be enough to say, you know what? Today, I don't need your praise. Today, I woke up. I am saved by the King of Kings. He loved me enough to die for me. None of you could ever love me that much. I'm a child 
of the Most High God. I'm good. There is nothing more this world could give me that could ever make me feel more important, bigger, or better. That's God's heart for us, and that's my hope for us. I'm going to close by praying that we can grab onto that and lay down this desire to get something from the world that can never rival who we already amazingly are. Is that okay? Can I pray for you guys? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you, you really have blessed us. Our life is good. And I'm not just talking about the stuff you've given us. I'm talking about our very lives. I'm talking about who you've made us to be. I'm talking about our place in heaven and our place before you, God. We are good. We are good. There is nothing this world could add that would bring any increase to who you've already made us to be. And God, we repent right now of thinking first that this world could add something to that. And second, for thinking that others in this world are not as good as we are. That we deserve the praise. We deserve the attention. We deserve the glory. God, forgive us for aligning ourselves with those horrible values that were displayed by the enemy thousands of years ago. And right now, I pray that you would bring us to a sober judgment of who we are, of who others are, and who you are. You just stay in an attitude of prayer. I also want to talk to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. What I want to share with you today is a simple truth. None of us are perfect. This world has fallen. So Jesus personally gave his life to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That is to pay for our sins and to be seen as holy by our God. And because we are holy by the blood of Jesus, we then have eternity with him. If you've never made Jesus your king, if you've never embraced what he's done for you, being forgiven and brought into the kingdom, I want to help you do that right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to come down front just right where you are seated. I'm going to lead you in a conversation with him. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me and now I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me and I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.